Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Kingdom of Pod on the Believe Podcast Network, all brought to you by Bet Online. Jeff Caves here in Flower Mound, Texas. Today, a deep dive into FPI. No, not FBI. It's from ESPN, and it's non-respect. And how did ESPN rank 20 Group of Five schools preseason ahead of Boise State? Look at that shortly. Then Carl Benson joins me. Big news out of the NCAA this week. Is the NCAA a sinking ship and how it may impact Boise State. And speaking of NCAA and Boise State, how about expansion? Could there be other conferences not now looking around to expand, including the American Athletic? And is Boise State's appetite changing to be leaving the Mountain West? I'll dive into all three of those things here today on the Kingdom of Pot. Let's get to the top piece, though, that I got just by cruising by ESPN.com, checking out the college football news as I think most of us do, to see what is going on. And what I ran across is something called the Football Power Index. And we've all heard about the FPI, and that happens usually during the season. I haven't paid as much attention to it in the preseason. But nonetheless, there it was staring me in the face. And typically I'll run past preseason ranking type stuff and and give it a once-over, and always interested in just where Boise State's at. Uh, I think a lot of us have counted out where Boise State is when they have others listed after the top 25, and you start doing the math and figuring out where they ultimately are, and you come up with 42nd or whatever. But I've been noticing a change in the national media's thoughts about Boise State. This isn't meant to sound any alarms. This is just an observation on what's going on. And I know some people like to take this and stretch it many different ways. I don't particularly do it other than just an interesting observation that there's a changing of the guard. There's a lot of things that are in motion for Boise State. Some of the things that are there are very similar and uh, others are very different like this. I'm not used to looking at preseason rankings of any type from ESPN or other mainstream organizations looking at college football and seeing 20 group of five schools ranked ahead of Boise State in the preseason and looking at statistics like Boise State, according to the ESPN Power Index, has an 18% chance to win the Mountain West Conference. That tells me they've got a 72% chance, uh, or an 82% chance, excuse me, to not. That's a significant uh, prediction. When I saw that there were 20 other group of five schools ahead of them, it really caused me to stop and take a closer look. So let's just start at the top here, the football power index and what that is. From ESPN, it's their statistical rating projection system. They do it for every college football team in the FBS. It's really more applicable as we get 
closer to what they like to say is their all-state playoff predictor when you start trying to do the projections on will this 4-0 team make it into the college football playoff or not. And so they try to model what the CFP selection committee would do based on their past behavior to determine the likelihood of Alabama or Auburn or you name it, Oregon, reaching the uh, CFP. And so we start seeing this. Uh, In this particular case, though, they're ranking uh, schools in the preseason. And the way they do it is they look at the last four seasons that the school has competed and they put twice as much emphasis on the last particular season of competition. And of course, in Boise State's case, that's a five and two season. Other schools had a lot more games and bodies of work. So some schools uh, in the American Athletic Conference had more games. Other schools like in the Mid-American Conference and the Mountain West Conference had more uh, similar bodies of work to compare to. But 20 schools ranked ahead of Boise State in this in this survey. Uh, something still not adding up for me. Of course, you had losses to BYU and San Jose State, and they're going to rank how bad or good of a loss those were. Uh, returning starters, pretty strong. Depending upon how you want to calculate all this out, there could be as many as nine offensive and defensive starters uh, back for Boise State, including the quarterback. And in this particular FPI indexing they will give a school with a returning quarterback even more of an advantage and so with Hank Bachmeyer I would think that is a clear advantage for Boise State now um, there's another category for recruiting it's controversial to some because we understand how difficult that is but they look at the last four recruiting classes and in general, nobody's had better recruiting in the Mountain West Conference than Boise State, and arguably uh, they're as high as any group of five school. And so I wouldn't think that is going to ding them uh, that much. Now, they didn't sign as many, and that's starting to change with a lot of schools, but that I think is very uh, a very slight deviation from the norms. The big of the four big things they look at to give this preseason uh, FPI ranking The biggest one where Boise State is missing is head coach. And this is where Boise State has what they call a slight regression because they have a new head football coach who has no experience. And it's a changing of the guard for the program. And they don't really look at it any deeper than that. But of the four, that is probably a little bit ahead of recruiting. It's not the biggest item, but there's certainly something there from their perspective and how they are going to rank somebody. Uh, Who you play and where you play counts, but... You know, the track record for this FPI preseason ranking uh, is interesting because if you look back on it and look at how they put it together through the season, it's about 75% accurate at predicting an FBS versus FBS uh, college football game. So uh, I would say that that's uh, fairly accurate. The other thing is I was looking at these, these schools that are ahead of Boise State and there were some that I could understand and, and could see that at this point in time, if you're looking at how people are going to end up, uh, that's one thing. But some of these schools uh, that are ranked right ahead of them, and, and Boise State is, is 78th. Now, that's a totally different type of ranking, but schools that are projected to win more games are like Western Michigan, Nevada, Eastern Michigan, Central Michigan, Central Florida. Louisiana, Tulsa, Houston, Liberty, Buffalo, BYU, Alabama, Birmingham, Toledo, Troy, Ball State, Memphis, Appalachian State, Tulane, uh, College of Charleston, Cincinnati. These are all schools that are ahead of them in this index. 
And a 7-6 and six overall finish is the prediction of where this ESPN index is at now. They're giving Boise State uh, you know, minimal chances of, of winning the Mountain West Conference. Uh, they've got number two, Nevada, uh, winning the Mountain West Conference. So I think this is just all sort of adding up to a transition for the program, at least in terms of statistical comparisons, offensive philosophies, unknowns, new coaches, different directions. And it's up to sort of the staff, fans, and everybody to have that belief that this is a good thing. It's going to be even better than it was. It's it's not the job of ESPN or the Football Power Index statistical uh, variations here to take any of that into consideration. It's of course, very numerical and heavy on data. So these things are just starting to to add up uh, to me when I start thinking about the expectations that really should be on this program right now. You, you've got a massive change at the top. And Andy Avalos is a new head football coach, and there's a lot that comes with this territory that's completely different to him. And the program itself could have some deviations Offensively, it's the first departure really from a direct disciple of Dirk Cutter uh, in a long time, over 20 years. And I bring these things up because I think if you, you look at this and you say ESPN's predicting a seven and six season, that would alarm some people. <laughs> that would kind of wake you up. When I saw 20 other schools that had a brighter potential uh, 2021 season uh, than Boise State, that, that really... Uh, woke me up, but doesn't necessarily knock me out and and put me to sleep either. But you can go to ESPN.com and check that out. Also, when you go online, check out Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for news, scores, odds. The best way to place your bets. It's free to sign up. Just head over to the website betonline.ag. Use your mobile device to sign up today, right now, and get your fifty percent welcome bonus. On your first deposit, bet online, betonline.ag, your online sports book experts. We'll get into the subject about Boise State leaving the Mountain West Conference and why may now be the non conference expansion time for Group of Five football. But the NCAA Council made news this week a 40 person group, by the way. Uh, they've got the day-to-day NCAA legislation and policy-making um, responsibilities. The way this NCAA council, who got together Wednesday and Thursday this week, uh, is comprised as representatives from uh, each of the 32 Division I conferences. And so they will then weight it towards the 10 FBS conferences. And then within that, the Power Five these uh, you know meetings were all about when in-person recruiting can start. And the big news was uh, allowing one-time transfers in the sport of, of football, men's basketball, women's basketball, I think even hockey was included here, without having to sit down a year. And some conferences, like the American Athletic Conference, the ACC coming out with legislation that says you can even transfer within our own conference now and be eligible immediately. So that's kind of crazy to me let's get carl benson in here talk to carl about this carl the former commissioner of the 
uh, Mac, the WAC, where Boise State was a school that he certainly worked with, and then retiring and working at the Sun Belt Conference. He's a graduate from Boise State, a baseball guy. He's joined me several times on the Kingdom of Pod. Uh, Carl, um, this move by the NCAA Council and ultimately approved allowing a immediate transfer from one school to another without any sitting down is a massive change. In fact, it's been this way since 1964, yet here we are in 2021, Carl, with this change coming. Talk about that change, the history of all of this, and could there be more change in the air? Well, Jeff, it, it hasn't happened overnight. This has been a, a lengthy process, and, and I recall you know, June of 2018 uh, sitting in a, in a conference room with nine other commissioners, uh, FBS commissioners, talking about how to structure a, a transfer rule, a new transfer rule that would protect the NCA against, you know, the next antitrust you know, lawsuit from, from student athletes who are being, you know, being restricted. And I mean, the conversation then was, you know, is it a one-time transfer? Is it, you know, if you're academically eligible, I mean, this, this conversation started three years ago by the, by the, the, FBS, Power Five, Group of Five, those 10 commissioners were discussing it three years ago, and it's taken this long to get it to a, a, a point that, you know, that it's on the verge of being passed. Um, this, this council, uh, you, you understand it clearly, and you identified the 10 uh, conferences involved. But the Power Five here, if the FBS conferences voted as a group, they've got about 56% of all the voting points in this deal. The Power Five, though, have about 37% of the total vote. So there's a lot of people with their hands in this decision on this council. How, how does that describe the council's role in college athletics and really what it represents? Well, I think, I think it's still the, the power lies in the in the hands and, and in the, you know, in the, the seat of the power five conferences and, and the weighted voting. Now, granted, they rely on the group of five to make sure and to ensure that, that, that it can go through. And, you know, there have been other controversial or critical issues over the last five or six years where the, the power five needed the group of five to, you know, to support their position. And, you know, they, there's always been that, that uh, need by the group of five is that, you know, we need to attach ourselves, you know, to the power five or we're vulnerable in them becoming an entity of their own. And, and again, I, I think that, that we're at that, we're at that stage. Um, but I, I believe that, that the votes are there um, and that, mm -hmm. that this, this, this legislation will be adopted to allow the, the one-time transfer. And uh, like I said, it's, it's taken you know, three years to, to get to this point and get to this juncture. Well, there was a lightning rod back in December. The U.S. Department of Justice uh, sticks their nose in here, sends a letter to Emmert, and this is the antitrust department, and there must have been more activity, right, Carl, with athletes 
saying they're not happy about having to sit down a year and transfer. And the U.S. Department of Justice antitrust people uh, started monishing Emmert on this. They've never had a meeting past that. The NCAA wanted one, yet here we are, the council trying to push this thing forward. What's your read on that? And what kind of pressure did that bring to this whole process? Well, I think that, that again, the threat of, of litigation and, and for the, the DOJ to step in, it's not the first time the DOJ has stepped in and, and asked some difficult questions about NCA governance and, and the restrictions that, that, um, that there may be. And, and there's always been that pull and push in terms of the NCA being you know, is it a is it an entity? Is it an enterprise, or is it a volunteer organization? And, and that's always been the I think the dilemma between you know whether whether Congress gets involved with with you know with NCAA uh, protocol and NCAA business. Uh, but in this case, I, I think that that again, three years ago, Commissioner Delaney at the Big Ten is saying we we better be we better change this. Because if we don't, we are we we will be on the verge of another major, you know, lawsuit. And this was coming out of the concussion lawsuit. Uh, it was at the time of the the original uh, cost of attendance uh, lawsuit and the 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 scholarship, the tuition and fees lawsuit that that got settled for you know, several hundred million dollars. And and everyone was anticipating that if we want another major lawsuit, we can't ignore this issue of, of restricting student athletes from transferring from one university to another, especially when we allow it in, in so many of the other sports, that, uh, that it's, the, it's the football and the basketballs you know, that are the, the economic engines that are driving the NCAA, and it's these two sports that, that uh, are being treated different than you know, the, the, the so-called pure amateur sports, uh, you know, that, that fall under the NCAA umbrella. So, um, you know, whether, whether the DOJ last, you know, last fall, whether their message was going to be sent, Hey, listen, you, you, you know, you all have been dilly dallying around on this thing, get it done. And my guess is that, that NCAA legal team, um, you know, heard that. And as they drafted the final, um, pieces of legislation and the, the various um, you know, language that's, that's going to be in this, this transfer that, that they believe that, that they now are protected against um, you know, any future you know, litigation. Isn't that partly why we've seen some high-profile transfers uh, sort of happen with no penalty and, and guys immediately eligible that the NCAA, since all this has started, has said, hey, we better start restrict or you know, easing back how we handle this sure. we're, we're just facing too much pressure and i don't know everybody read it that way but that's a clear i guess white flag that they put up that they knew change was coming and and they can't they can't uh, afford this anymore which is pretty contradictory really for a governing body to to start behaving that way isn't it yeah although i you know and again i go back into my history my 30-year history and back in Back in my early days, I sat on a on a committee with the National Letter of Intent. It was the National Letter of Intent Appeal Committee, and you know, back in those days, 
student athlete would sign a national letter of intent. Mm -hmm. And on the day that they signed it, I mean, they were, they were now committed. Sure. And there would always be some circumstances that, that a student athlete wanted out of that letter of intent. Um, there was a provision that, that if you sign a letter of intent enrolled at school A, you had to fulfill a full year before you know you were bound and penalized if you if you left. And there are all, all these appeals would come forward to us. And and I remember Roy Kramer, the longtime commissioner of the SEC, was the kind of the father of the of the NLI, the the National Letter of Intent, which interesting enough, NLI back in those days referenced yeah. National Letter of Intent. Today right. we've got the you know the NIL that right. probably some people are just confused as hell that uh, that here we've got these acronyms. But Roy had a always had a advice for the committee. Uh, we are going to stand by the letter of the of the rule and the NI and the NLI. We're going to until that student athlete comes on a phone call with his or her lawyer, <laughs> and and once the threat of litigation, then we would. We would, we would, you know, collapse, cave in and, you know, give that student athlete the ability to get out from under his national or her national letter of intent happened time and time again. Wow. And, uh, and today, you know, that, that threat of litigation, um, I think is, you know, is, is very, very powerful. All right. I want to get into just a conversation about expansion and, and how this may or may not be affecting the appetite of some group of five like AAC conferences to expand. Uh, but before I go there, the Supreme Court's weighing in right now. We're expecting a decision here in a couple of months that could affect a lot of things at the NCAA lever and, uh, level and you know, players wanting, uh, I guess, more uh, than what they're getting on, on top of education or stipends or whatever for their performances, you could say. And this Supreme Court ruling ha has started at a district court call was in a very interesting case and it's it's making its way up and we haven't seen a supreme court case since 1984 i think taking on the ncaa's position in college athletics so this seems very dangerous and and is is the comparison that's that's starting to be made what's good for this the scholarship chemistry student should be good for the scholarship football player it, it feels like to me that's where we're headed that why do we restrict these football guys so much when the chemistry uh, scholarship people can do anything they want in terms of who they work for, how much they get paid, their scholarship levels and all that. I think that that, uh, that uh, analogy of treating the student athletes as a, as a normal student has long been a, you know, one of the, the principles of the NCAA is that, that these, these student athletes, are students first and athletes second. And as a result, you know, they should be treated like the, the general student population mm -hmm. until it comes to compensation or any type of, of financial remuneration. And, uh, you know, that that's been a long, been around, you know, you know, that principle has been around for a long time to protect the difference between amateur and, and professional. But, you know, we've seen that creep, you know, from the time we, you know, five years ago adopted this cost cost of attendance provision that allowed three to five thousand more dollars, and and we've added to, you know, to the laundry list of 
of items that the student athlete can get. Uh, but it still has not reached a, a certain level that would be considered any, you know, anything more than, um, you know, the, you know, just the, the average, you know, hourly wage type thing that, that a student athlete may be getting. Um, so this, you know, this Supreme Court ruling, you know, if, if they support the, the district court's position that a student athlete should be able to receive additional uh, educational benefits, including, and the including is the, is the, the, the piece that has gotten everybody's attention, including internships, whether it's internships during the course of the year or internships during the summer, that, that now uh, and how, you know, how that would allow student athletes to, to truly benefit from, uh, from some type of financial remuneration that is more than just you know, some, some pretty trivial you know, computers or educational, that this gets into the possibility of, of manipulating an internship and make it look like a, you know, some pay for play. Yeah. Well, uh, Carl, in, in the backdrop of, of all of this for most Boise State football fans is, you know, is Boise State still interested in going to the American Athletic Conference? Were they ever? That's that's a different question. But the climate for, say, the Mike Oreskos at the AAC of the world to say, hey, can I still get some group of five schools that want to leave their conference, find places for their Olympic sports and and come in with the backdrop of potential college football playoff expansion, NCAA, you know, antitrust issues and even even disbandment, which could force the the power five to break off on their own, which would have huge effect on group of five that they just may want to play all that out, Carl, and rather than go through all the time, trouble and effort when they're scrambling financially anyway to go expanding into different conferences. What, what's your take on the atmosphere around that idea of expansion now? Has it changed in the last couple of months? I don't know if it's changed. I think that the pause button uh, was pushed to first, let's get through the football season and then let's get through the basketball season. Yeah. Let's get, let's get back to the campus as, you know, as, as normal in terms of, of COVID and, you know, our universities are, are more worried about, you know, how many, you know, how many season tickets, football season tickets they, they will be able to sell and what, you know, what type of capacity will they have in the fall? Um, but I, you know, and then you throw in this, this transfer in uh, new rule and, and how will it be implemented? And then obviously the, the Supreme Court decision. Um, so I think that, that right now there's, we've just been, been hit the pause button. Um, let, uh, let the dust settle. Let's try to get back to, to what we were pre-COVID. And, and if you remember, you know, a year ago in, in February and March is when, you know, there was public and, and very, very um, active conversations going on between Boise State, you know, and the American. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they continued to go on, you know, during COVID to some extent and uh, may have surfaced again back in the fall and, and maybe in the, in the early winter. But um, I think that, that again, those, those conversations 
uh, appear to have been put on hold. It's always good, Carl. Thanks for your perspective. Okay, Jeff. Hey, here's something you didn't know about me. I do not relax that well. Crazy life, crazy job. It's just hard for me sometimes to just shut off my brain and chill out, as you say. And I'll overthink things sometimes. I'll easily get stressed out, and it really sucks. So I did some homework, and I found Sunday Scaries. These are delicious vitamin-boosted CBD gummies. Uh, now they're a must-have in my daily routine. They chill me out in just about 20 minutes. Uh, help me really just take the edge off. I can maintain my composure and live scare-free. And for me, cut back on the booze, really. Rather than have a drink, you can have perhaps a Sunday Scary. And there's no risk right now if you want to try and buy. company offers 100% lifetime money-back guarantee. If the product's not for you, it's okay. Uh, you'll get your money back. Sunday Scaries in the stress-relieving business, not the stress-causing business. And I got you 25% off to prove it. Visit sundayscaries.com. Use my promo code CAVES for your discount. That's promo code C-A-V-E-S, CAVES, for 25% off at sundayscaries.com. They are amazing, and you will not regret joining up with this squad. All right, Carl Benson's conversation, and you heard us go back and forth some on this idea of a expansion slowdown, and there is so much change in the air right now. If you are a Boise State administrator, if you're contemplating a move to the American Athletic Conference in football and you've got to find solutions for the rest of your sports, you've got a lot of questions, of course, and there's a lot of work to be done. And let's just take it operationally. So first and foremost, you have a newer president and you have a brand new athletic director. And... You know, while he had, uh, while Dickey has has worked in an American Athletic Conference school, uh, there are some similarities with Houston, and I'm sure there's plenty more that really aren't, especially when it comes to the finances and the way the schools organize, the marketplace they're in, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's not much, if anything, in common between Baylor and Boise State. But so, so it's not safe and fair to say that he has sat down and tried to find a home for Olympic sports uh, out west. And I think he'd have a different opportunity altogether uh, at the University of Houston had he had to do that anyway. But so this experience would be time consuming. This experience would be very important. And if you're Dickie right now, you've just come into a new job and you've got all kinds of things that you have to take care of, not unlike any other place. But you add COVID on top of that. I just don't know if the timing is great for that. Financially, the athletic department's trying to figure it out. They've got to sell every single ticket for football to really have a chance at having a decent budget in the athletic department. That's a lot of pressure. With COVID in the air, there's all kinds of challenges with that. If you were to leave a conference, uh, it's going to cost you some money. You've got to get out of your deal. You may not get immediate new revenue in your new conference. You've got the state legislature right now. You know, pulling Boise State's leg right now, holding money back for them. How much more money? We still don't know that answer. 
you'd have to go to the State Board of Education and go to them and talk about leaving the Mountain West Conference for football. And maybe you get convinced that you should take men's and women's basketball with you. I, I don't I don't know. I'm in favor of that, but that's that's only me. But you've still got to get their blessing and they're completely inundated with everything. And I don't know the relationship there. There hasn't been this kind of request that I can tell uh, going up to the State Board of Education before they could go out and uh, pursue it more closely. Another threat that's come out for me and I've thought more about now is the athletes themselves. And we're in an era now, of course, where social uh, justice and people suggesting that they're being slighted is a very knee-jerk reaction to me. It will be an immediate, I'm being biased against, I want everybody to know it, they press the button send, and everybody that uh, they think needs to know it knows it, and then everybody else that they didn't think also knows it. And there's times, I'm sure, where myself or you or anybody else has regretted hitting the send button before they had rethought it or slowed down or whatever other way you want to look at this. So look at what happened with the NCAA men's basketball tournament and the challenges they created for themselves uh, with the way that the weight room was depicted in social media photos with the men's and women's and the March Madness term not being used for one and the amount of gear one had to give to the other. Some of the facts of all of those comparisons didn't come out for a few days and got 10% the publicity that the other stuff got. And so that's bad public relations at that point. And so I look at a move for Boise State, say they did take the football program into the American Athletic Conference and say, you know what, we're going to have to figure out what the rest of the sports do, but financially, the rest of the sports don't make enough money for us anyway. And if we don't make more money in football, we're never going to be able to support the other sports and blah, 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 blah. And some Olympic sports athletes, men's and women's, take exception to that. Don't don't take it sitting down. Don't think they're being treated fairly. Uh, get together and, and uh, make a national protest. All of those things don't go down the right road, given all the challenges that the school has faced here recently with that kind of publicity, the big city coffee issue, the Larry Williams letter that comes out saying, I won't support anything but football. They're not getting my money in anything else. Uh, that start, that stuff all starts adding up. And then you have state legislatures, um, uh, legislators coming at them one by one or in a group or in a task force looking at what kind of courses are taught on campus. And it becomes too much. So I am not convinced now that the appetite would be there to go out and do something that would take all that time, money, and effort, and then ultimately, maybe for not. For all we know, the antitrust exemption and how the NCAA is able to govern college athletics is going to change in the next couple of years, which would mean to me and to others, like what Carl thinks, 65 powerful schools will say, okay, now we're not going to be with the NCAA anymore. Let's just do our own thing. Because now we have to, we, we can get a business plan together where we can mandatorily legislate each other and not call ourselves amateurs or however they would want to put that together. To me, that would be the timing for that. And so the other schools, the group of five and everybody else would be regrouped anyway. So we may be headed for this. Uh, there could be a tumbling really of income available to those top 65 schools and maybe it won't happen this way. 
Uh, but it sure doesn't seem that way at this point. So I think the appetite for expansion is down, but that is an outside-in look at what may or may not be happening. But keep an eye on that Supreme Court decision uh, about how they're going to interpret what a school can or can't give to athletes, uh, if it's internships or whatever else. Uh, That decision is supposed to be coming down, oh, in a couple of months. And the Supreme Court hasn't made a ruling about the NCAA since 1984. So this is a significant moment in NCAA sports history. Well, it's been another significant moment for me here. Thanks for joining me on the Kingdom of Pod. Please pass it along. I've had some of you reach out and say you just found the podcast, and uh, I encourage you to pass it on. Some people like a condensed 30-minute approximate just solid look at anything to do with Boise State now or in the future, a little bigger picture stuff, and that's what I like to hit on. So rate it, review it, download it, pass it along. Uh, I appreciate you joining me uh, here on the Kingdom of Pod, and we'll talk to you next week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.